Hi everyone, this is Ned, and this is the very first episode of Stories by Ned. And the very first book that we will be reading today is called Good Night Moon by Margaret Wise Brown and pictures by Clement Hurd. Well, let's begin. In the great green room, there was a telephone and red balloon and a picture of the cow jumping over the moon. And there were three little bears sitting on chairs. And two little kittens and a pair of mittens. And a little toy house and a young mouse. And a comb and a brush and a bowl full of mush. And a quiet old lady who's whispering, hush. Good night, room. Good night, moon. Good night, cow jumping over the moon. Good night, light and the red balloon. Good night, bears. Good night, chairs. Good night, kittens. Good night, mittens. Good night, clocks. And good night, socks. Good night, little house. And good night, mouse. Good night, comb. And good night, brush. Good night, nobody. Good night, mush. And good night to the old lady whispering, hush. Good night, stars. Good night, air. Good night, noises everywhere. I hope you like that story. This was one of my favorite stories that my mom read to me every night before I went to sleep. Well, I hope you liked that. TTFN. Hi everyone, this is Ned. And this is the second episode of Stories by Ned. And the next story that we're going to read is called Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Cabin Fever by Jeff Kenny. And this is the sixth book in the Diary of the Wimpy Kid series. Well, let's read. Saturday. Most people look forward to the holidays, but the stretch between Thanksgiving and Christmas just makes me nervous wreck. If you make a mistake in the first 11 months of the year, it's no big deal. But if you do something wrong during the holiday season, you're going to pay for it. (laughs) It's too much pressure to be on your best behavior for for a whole month. The most I can really handle is six or seven days in a row. So if they move Thanksgiving to the week before Christmas, it'll be fine by me. Kids whose families don't celebrate Christmas lucky because they don't have to stress out whenever they do something wrong at this time of year. In fact, I have a few friends in that category who I just think act a little extra jerky 
around now just because they can. Oops. They got tripped. <laughs> the thing that really makes me nervous is the whole Santa issue. The fact that he can see you when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake really creeps me out. So I've started wearing sweatpants to bed because I don't really need Santa to see me in my underwear. I'm not really convinced that Santa has the time to keep an eye on you 24 hours a day anyway. I figure he can only check on one kid once or twice a year for a few seconds. And with my luck, that happens on the most embarrassing moments. If Santa really does see everything you do, then I could be in trouble. So when I write him, I don't say what I want for Christmas and all that. I just leave my letters to paint myself in the best possible light. It says, Dear Santa, I did not throw a crab apple at Miss Taylor's cat, even though it may have looked that way from distance. Sincerely, Greg Heffley. Okay. Oh, that's a little funny. <laughs> then there's this naughty or niceless thing they're always talking about. You hear about it, but you never actually get to see it. So it's up to grown-ups to tell you when you stand at any given moment. When, but something about that just doesn't seem right. I kind of wonder how accurate the list is anyway. There's a kid named Jared Pyle who lives up the street from me, and if anyone deserves to be of a naughty list, it's him. But last year he got a dirt bike for Christmas, so don't even ask me what Santa was thinking on that one. It's not just Santa I had to worry about either. Last year, when Mom was going through some old boxes, she found a homemade doll from her childhood. Mom says this doll is called Santa Scout, and that his job is to watch how kids behave and report back to Santa at the North Pole. Well, I'm not a fan of that idea. First of all, I think you have the right to privacy in your own home. And second, Santa Scout gives me the willies. I don't really buy the idea that this doll is feeding Santa information, but just in case, I try to be extra good whenever I'm in the same room as Santa Scout. But it probably doesn't matter anyway, because my older brother Roderick is constantly feeding Santa Scout bad information about me. And Roderick is saying, I, Greg Heffley, took a $20 bill out of my mother's purse. Every morning when I wake up, Santa Scout is in a new place, which I guess is supposed to prove they traveled to the North Pole overnight. But I'm starting to wonder if it's actually Roger who moves them. Sunday. The day we took all our Christmas decorations out of the storage room in the basement. We have boxes full of ornaments, and some of them are really old. There's one with a picture of me and Roger taking a bath in the sink that's really embarrassing, but Mom won't let me throw it out. We put up the tree in the living room and started putting ornaments on it. My little brother Manny was taking a nap upstairs. When he found out he and when he woke up and found out we were decorating the tree without him, he had total meltdown. The reason Manny was so upset because someone hung his favorite ornament, this candy cane he really likes. So mom took it off the tree and handed it to Manny and told him to hang it up himself. But Manny wanted his ornament to be first on the tree. So that meant we had to take all the decorations down just so we could get his way. And that's the kind of thing that happens in my house every single day. Mom hasn't started to use Santa to get 
as a way of getting mad to behave, but I'm sure she will soon. I don't think it's such a good strategy for keeping us in line though, because the second Christmas is over, Mom doesn't have any real leverage. Well, the Easter Bunny is going to be very disappointed in you boys. Monday. Right before Thanksgiving break, there was a contest at school to see who could come up with the best anti-bullying slogan, and the grand prize was a pizza party for the winning team. And the poster says, only you can stop bullying. Form a team of five people and come up with the best anti-bullying slogan. The winning team will get a pizza party in the cafeteria. Let's make bullying extinct. Well, everyone wanted that pizza party, and people didn't care what they had to do to win it. Two groups of girls in my grade came up with slogans that are really similar, and each group accused the other one of stealing their idea. The whole situation was out of control, and eventually the vice principal had to step in to keep it from going to a full-scale riot. Our school only has one legitimate bully this year. Anyway. And his name is Dennis Root. And with all the signs and posters everywhere, I'm pretty sure the message was getting through to him. The day before Thanksgiving, there was a big anti-bullying assembly. And everyone in the auditorium was looking at Dennis the whole time. I kind of felt sorry for him, so I tried to make him feel better. Even though Dennis is the only real bully in our school this year, we had a bunch of them last year. Many people were constantly getting picked on at recess, so the teacher set up a station on the playground where kids could press a button if need to get a grown attention. And, and the station is, tell a teacher station, press button, wait for help. Well, the tell a teacher station just ended up being a convenient place for the bullies to hang out and find the next victims. The teachers say teasing counts as bullying too, but I don't think there's any way they're going to put a stop to that. Kids are always called to the names and, and that kind of thing at my school. In fact, one of the reasons I try to under radar is because I don't want to get stuck with a stupid nickname like Cody Johnson did. In kindergarten, Cody stepped in some dog poop at recess and ever since then, people have called him Dookie. And I'm not just talking about the kids either. I'm talking about the teachers, even the principal. Congratulations, Dookie Johnson, for getting straight A's in third quarter. I'll tell you this. If I ever get a nickname like Dookie, I'll move to a different town. But what would probably happen is that someone from my old school would move to my new town, and the whole thing would just start back up again. The teachers say that when you're getting bullied, you should tell an adult. But I, I don't. I think that's a great idea. But I, but it didn't work out so well when I was getting bullied. There's a kid in my neighborhood next to mine, and for some reason, everyone called him Nasty Pants. Every time me and my friend Rowley went through Nasty Pants' neighborhood, he chased us with a stick. The thing that really stunk is that me and Rowley used the woods in that neighborhood as a shortcut to get to school. So we started having to go out of our way to to avoid being harassed by Nasty Pants. We did exactly what teachers are always telling us to do, and complained to the vice principal. But vice principal Roy said that since Nasty Pants didn't go to our school, there was nothing he could really do about it. After being chased a few more times, I decided I had enough, so I told dad about the situation, 
and I was afraid Dad was going to say I would need to toughen up and deal with the problem myself. But he surprised me. Dad said that he had problems with a bully at my age and he knew exactly what I was going through. Dad's bully was named Billy Staples, and Billy's favorite thing to do was pin a kid's arm behind his back and hold there until he cried. Yar! Squeal! And Dad said that the kids in the neighborhood told their parents about Billy, and they all went to Billy's house to confront his mom and dad. Mr. Staples made Billy promise never pick on anybody ever again. And Dad said that Billy burst into tears and may even wet his pants. Well, after hearing that story, I don't think that Billy Staples would be any match for Nasty Pants. But I told Dad I liked the idea of complaining to the bully's parents. So I called up Rowley and told him to bring his dad. Because we would need as much backup as we could get. Dad knocked on Nasty Pants' door and waited for one of his parents to open it. But Nasty Pants himself came to the door and me and Rowley took off. I guess I should describe Nat's Nasty Pants to Dad because it took him a little while to, to understand that the kid who came to the door was the one who was causing all that trouble. Dad talked to Mrs. Pants and she told Dad her son was only five and that he just gets a little wound up sometimes. Nasty Pants is saying, You smell like dirt diaper. P.U. On the way home, Dad was pretty mad at me for letting myself get bullied by a kid who's still in kindergarten. But let me just say, in my defense, that when some kid is chasing through the stick, you don't stop to ask him how old he is. Tuesday. They took the last piece of playground equipment away at school today. We started off the year with all sorts of things like monkey bars and swings and stuff and stuff like that. But now the playground is empty sawdust pit. So recess is basically like a prison yard. I heard the school was having trouble paying for the insurance for the playground. So every time there was some kind of accident or injury on a piece of equipment, the easiest thing to do was just remove it. In October, Francis Knott went flying off the swing set and landed on the seesaw, so that took out two big items right there. We lost the monkey bars when a girl named Christine Higgins climbed up to the top and then got too scared to climb down. The teachers aren't allowed to touch kids, so they had to call Christine's parents to come get her. Eventually, the only piece of equipment left was the balance beam, and I figured nobody could get her on that thing. But believe it or not, some idiot was looking where it was going the other day, so that's gone too. Without any playground equipment, there is not really anything for us to do. But the teachers won't even let us sit down because they say we have to stay active. And it's not like you're allowed to bring in toys or video games to keep us occupied either. In fact, if you get caught with a toy in the playground, it'll get confiscated. Last week, somebody found a miniature car buried in the sawdust that looked like it had been there for years. The car had three missing wheels, but people were so desperate for entertainment that they lined up to play with it while the others kept lookout. Now there's a black market for toys at our school. Christopher Stango brought in a bunch of Legos with him yesterday, and I hear a single brick will set you back 50 cents. The teachers have banned a bunch of games we used to play too, like last week a group of boys were playing freeze tag, but one of them got hurt when somebody shoved him from behind. 
who now are not allowed to touch each other or even run. Today, people were playing air tag and getting around by speed walking, but it wasn't really the same. And the picture, it's the, they're playing they're playing air tag. And he's, the boy says, got you. And the boy says, nah, uh, nah, uh. If you ask me, I think people are getting too carried away with all the safety stuff. I went to Manny's peewee soccer game and all the kids had to wear bicycle helmets. The good thing about the playground being gone is that now I actually have a chance to start doing well in school. I'm one of those people who has a hard time focusing when teacher is talking and when the other class is having recess right outside the window, it's practically impossible to pay attention. Okay, I take back what I said about being glad that playground equipment is gone. Now the kids at recess have nothing to do, so they, stare, so they just stare right into the windows. And that's seriously distracting when you're trying to take a test. It doesn't help that I'm not exactly the fastest test taker either. In third grade, I had a teacher named Mrs. Sinclair who taught us all these great tricks remembering multiplication facts. But they seriously slowed me down. (laughs) And a picture, it says, there's this to a tune of Merah Little Lamb. 8 times 4 is 32, 32, 32. 8 times 4 is 32, and now you know it's true. Okay, that sounds stupid. Earlier this year, we had a math teacher named Mr. Sparks, who always used to stay on his chair every time he wanted us to remember something important. But once, when Mr. Sparks was trying to get us to remember a math concept, one of the legs on his chair broke and he fell. Mr. Sparks broke his collarbone and I heard he's suing the school over it. I don't remember the concept he was trying to teach us that day, but I always remember never stand on the furniture. During recess today, everyone was just waiting to go back inside, but then Rowley got up and started skipping around the playground. A few people started cheering and clapping. They, they must have thought that Rowley was protesting all the new rules by skipping instead of walking. Uh, yeah, by skipping instead of running. But skipping is just something Ryle likes to do. For some reason, it really gets somebody nerves Riley skips. So it bugged me to see him prancing around the playground like that. Skipping is actually a sore subject between the two of us. Riley says I'm jealous of him because I don't know how to skip. But I think it just looks stupid. I will admit that I never actually got the hang of skipping. In fact, I was the only kid in first grade who couldn't do it. And the instructor is saying, that's galloping. I was afraid that I'd be held back until I learned how to skip, but luckily let me move on to second grade. Still, I worried that this is going to come back to haunt me later on. And he's imagining him at graduation saying, with the person saying, Greg Heffley will not be receiving his diploma due to an inability to skip. Sometimes I wonder how me and Rowley ended up being friends in the first place, since we're so different. But at this point, I figure we're stuck with each other, so I'll just try to overlook all the things he does to annoy me. Thursday. The the thing that stinks about having Santa Scout watching me every... Thursday. The thing that stinks about having Santa Scout watching every move at home is that I can't get away with the things I used to do during the holidays. 
A few years ago, mom and dad put some gifts under the tree a week before Christmas. And that was driving me crazy not knowing what they were. One of the gifts had my name on it and I was pretty sure it was a view game. I made a tiny tear in the wrapping paper and sure enough, it was, it was the game I'd asked for. But then it was bugging me that a game I wanted was sitting right under the tree and I couldn't play it. So I went one step further and made a slip along the top of the packaging and slid the disc out. I opened up a plastic case and moved the game. Then I put the box back in the wrapping paper and taped it closed. But then I started to get paranoid that mom was going to pick up the present and noticed it felt lighter. So I opened it back up and put one of Roderick's heavy metal CDs inside the box to make it the same weight it was before. I played a video game every night after mom and dad went to bed and I actually beat it. But I forgot to put it back in the box and on Christmas when I opened the present for mom and dad, Roderick's CD slipped out and rolled onto the floor. day after Christmas, Mom took the CD to the game hut and chewed the clerk out for selling her material that was inappropriate for kids. I just don't like knowing what I'm getting for Christmas and sometimes I can't help myself. Last year, I went on Mom's email account and wrote out to all relatives to see if I could find out what they're getting me. And the band picture, it says, Tukami, Uncle Joe, Uncle Charlie, Grandma. Grandpa, Uncle Gary, Joanne, Leslie, Byron, 23 more. Subject, gifts. Hey everyone, let me know what you're buying for Greg this year so we can coordinate. Thanks, Susan. But mom keeps her email on the computer in the kitchen and it's hard to get into her account when Santa's scout is watching me like a hawk. Tonight, I spend some time trying to decide what to put on my Christmas wish list this year. I try to be as specific as possible when I make my list, but whenever I leave my gifts up to, mo uh, up to mom and dad, I get some crazy stuff. A few years ago, I forgot to write out a wish list and I paid the price for it. Mom was pregnant with Manny, so she wanted me to get ready for having a baby brother. So for Christmas, mom got me a doll. At first, I didn't want anything to do with it. But then I realized that having a doll you could feed came in handy. In fact, I don't think a vegetable touched my lips for a month after I got a friend up. But that wasn't the only thing I used that doll for. I found out that he made a really excellent comic book stand too. I have to admit, after a few months, I got really attached to that doll. Since I didn't have a pet, it was kind of nice to have something to take care of for once. Does Alfredo look handsome in his big boy shoes? Yes, oh yes he does. But one day I came home from school and I couldn't find Alfredo anywhere. I searched the house from top to bottom, but there was no trace of him. The only thing I could think of is that I dropped Alfredo at some point and somehow didn't notice. I was pretty torn up by losing my doll, but what I was really concerned about was mom thinking that I couldn't be trusted around my new baby brother. So I got a grapefruit out of the fridge and drew a face on it with a marker. Then I wrapped the grapefruit in a dish towel and for the next three months, I pretended it, I pretended it was my doll. Picture he has a grapefruit in the towel and he's singing, rock a baby on the treetop. 
Mom and Dad didn't seem to notice, but I was terrified by the idea that the real Ofrendo was going to find his way back home and get his revenge on me for abandoning him and replacing him with the fruit. In fact, I still worry about that to this day. It's the reason I always check to make sure my window is locked before I go to bed at night. I'm a little embarrassed by this, but I actually got attached to that grapefruit too. But after a while, it started to rot, and Dad traced the weird smell back to my friendo decoy. Mom didn't seem too upset that I lost my doll, but I will say she never left me alone in the house with Nanny for more than 15 minutes. Like I said, though, it was nice to have something to take care of for once. And I missed that feeling, so these days I've been spending a lot of time playing this game called Net Critters. In fact, I've been playing Net Critters every free second I get. The basic idea is that you have to feed your pet and keep it happy. And if your pet is happy, you can get tokens so that you can buy clothes, furniture, and stuff like that. I played so much that my pet Chihuahua has a mansion with indoor swimming pool, a bowling alley, and about 150 different outfits. The only thing I'm not happy about is his name. Mom's the one who set up my account, and I can't figure out how to change the name she registered with. Mom says I take better care of my virtual pet than I do myself, so I guess I can't argue with her there. Over the weekend, I played for 16 hours without even taking a break to go to the bathroom. But if you don't keep getting a new pet, new stuff, it starts to look unhappy, so that really stresses me out. The problem is, you can only earn a certain number of tokens. After that, you have to buy them with real money. Unfortunately, I don't leave. Unfortunately, I don't have my own credit card, so that means I have to beg mom and dad to use theirs. And it's not real easy to convince dad to break open his wallet so you can buy a fancy outfit for virtual pet. This year, I'm gonna ask for a bunch of critters' cash for Christmas, but I'm still trying to figure out what to put up, what to put on the rest of the wish list. Actually, I could use a lot of different things. Because a couple of weeks ago, when I spent the night at the hospital getting my tonsils out, Manny sold half of everything I owned. But I'm not sure I should ask for a normal gift like a video game or toy this year. I've realized that every time you get something cool for your birthday or Christmas, within a week, it's been used against you. In the picture it says, we'll be taking this away until your English grade improves. One thing I know for sure that this year, I'm only accepting store-bought presents. Last Christmas, mom gave me this really nice hand-knit blanket, and I had that thing wrapped around me for half the winter. But then I found a picture of the same blanket on great uncle Bruce, who passed away a few years ago. And so I pawned it off to Roderick for his birthday. I was gonna, I was gonna play Net Critters all weekend. But yesterday, mom said the amount of time I've been spending on that game is unhealthy, and that I need, to, and that I had to interact with a real life person. So I called up Rowley and asked him to come over, even though I was still a little bothered by the whole skipping thing. When Rowley got to my house, we sat down from the TV to play video games. But mom said we had to shut off the machine, and interact face to face. But one of the things that make my friendship with Rowley work is that he doesn't mind watching me play video games. Plus, the reason our ancestors invented technology in the first place was so that they didn't have to interact with each other. Mom sent 
me and Riley down to the basement to us to figure out what to do. I asked Riley to bring some DVDs with him so we could stay up late watching movies. But he brought but he only brought home movies and he couldn't pay me to watch those. Mom brought us down some wacky sentences books where you fill in the blanks to create funny phrases. For the first round, Riley came up with the word and I wrote them down in the blanks. The phrases we made were actually pretty funny. But what wasn't funny is Riley's new habit of saying lol instead of laughing. Picture, there's a picture Greg is saying. Our cafeteria is really smelly food. The pizza is purple and the french fries are slimy. And after he says all that, Riley's saying lol, lol, lol. It was really driving me crazy, so we switched roles and I came and I and, and I came up with the words instead. Riley started asking me for the name of a sport, so I said volleyball, but he told me it's volleyball with a B. So we got into this huge argument about what letter volleyball starts with. I found a dictionary, handed it to Rowley to, and told him to look it up himself. But instead of flipping to the letter V, Rowley read every single word in the B section, and when he couldn't find volleyball, he started over from the beginning. Rowley accused me of having an outdated dictionary, and, and that's why volleyball was in it. So then we got into a huge argument about what year volleyball was vented. By this point, Rowley was really getting on my nerves. And I realized we, we had better change gears or we were going to end up in a fight as usual. I told Riley maybe we should do something different and he said he wanted to play hide and go seek. But the problem with playing hide and seek with Riley is that he thinks that when he can't see you, you can't see him. So that makes him really easy to find. I decided we just need to break from each other so I came up with an idea. I told Riley we were going to see who was brave, me or him and we stepped out the sliding glass door. Each of us had to walk into the woods and write our name on the tree fort we built last summer, and whoever chickened out was wrong about volleyball, was wrong about volleyball, and had to call the guy Sir for the rest of his life. Rowley seemed to think that was a fair deal. I told him I'd go first and I walked into the woods, but as soon as I knew he couldn't see me, I ran around in front of my house. There was no way I was going into those woods by myself at night. I had written my name on the tree fort when me and Riley built over the summer, and that's the reason I came up with the dare. I walked in the front door and made a bowl of ice cream and relaxed for a while. And I have to say, some time to myself was just what doctor ordered. Once I finished my ice cream, I walked around the side of the house, rubbed some dirt in my face and clothes, and then came running out of the woods. <laughs> in the picture shows him saying there was a big dog or a bear or something like there, but luckily I ran it. I probably shouldn't have added that last part because Riley totally gave up on the dare after that. Picture says, Can you please go inside now, sir? Anyway, that break was just what Doctor ordered, and the rest of the night with argument free. This morning my family headed to church and Riley came with us. I don't think Rowley's family really goes to church that much. He's not used to all the rules about when you're supposed to, to, to do and when. I always have to tell him when you need to kneel and stand and all that. Toward the end, we all did the peace be with you part, where you're supposed to shake everyone's hand. 
I said, peace be with you to Rowley, but he started giggling. I think he must have thought I said, peace be with you like the vegetable. In the picture it says, peace be with you, and and then uh, well, I shake hands. And Rowley says, no, peace be with you. <laughs> I don't think Rowley understood that you're supposed to shake hands with people. That, 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 yeah. I don't think Rally totally understood that you're just supposed to shake hands with people either. Because when the woman in the pew behind us said, Peace with you, Rally gave her a big wet kiss in the cheek. And he's smooching the lace cheek. After church, we dropped Rally off at his house. And I was glad that he was gone and I could go back to playing my game. And something tells me mom said, uh, mom felt the exact same way. And that's the end of November. Oblected. Uh, 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 I'll see you soon.